Hi, everyone. It's Kate. I just wanted to mention MyPillow.com to you. You know, there's a lot of holidays and weddings and all kinds of things that we buy gifts for. And not to mention us. We buy things for ourselves. This is the best company for bedding. I mean, from everything from dog beds to pillows to sheets to towels to um, to stopping snoring. I mean, get the green pillow, get the blue pillow label from... Um, MyPillow.com. What an amazing company this is. And Mike Lindell is doing a heck of a job trying to inform everybody about the election fraud and actually have the proof there and show the the proof behind election fraud. Also, FrankSpeech.com. It's a censor-free Facebook. Go to MyPillow.com or you can call the number 800-873-1052. And make sure that you are ordering, put in the code Kate, get up to 40% off now. Oh my gosh, you guys, the products are that good. I'm telling you, I was shocked by them. I was seriously shocked. Make sure you support the show, Truth and Radio, Mike Lindell, and you're going to get great products. It's a great threefer. <laughs> Not a twofer, a threefer. Go to MyPillow.com and get up to 40% off right now. Do it. Thanks, you guys. In a world where you can be anything, be someone who doesn't repeat media sound bites. The show starts now. Guys, uh, listen, I'm having a slight uh, problem with the damn bird, all right? Oh. What color is it now, Norman? Well, I think we're moving into the earth tones. <laughs> Look, uh... I'm sorry, guys. A little pop thing won't pop out. There's something wrong with it. I... Something wrong with you. No, no, it's a little pop thing. Hey, could somebody please explain to me where the little pop thing is on the turkey? I mean, because maybe it's different in the city, but in the country where I come from, turkeys aren't born with little pop. <laughs> the little pop thing has a name. It's called a thermometer. Now, can we all please say thermometer? Thermometer! Uh, good old throwback to Cheers. Remember that show? Yep. Um, I love that show. Anyway, uh, yeah, they're Thanksgiving dinner together. Welcome to the Kate Daly Show. And so happy that uh, you're tuned in today because we're going to do a, a kind of a special hour on Thanksgiving. And I have Uncle Milty here. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Um, this is this will be really good with everything that we're being told right now with all of the lies about history. This story, um, Tim Barton tells from Wall Builders, got to give him all the credit. And I'll be playing a clip from him. This is an amazing, an amazing story that everybody needs to be able to understand at their Thanksgiving table. And I think he had some extremely valuable things to say. I thought that this was so good um, that I wanted to dedicate an hour to this because I thought, you know what, this is worth it. This is worth listening to. And we'll we'll uh, we'll entertain calls too as we go. But I'm going to start this off because he starts, I, I took sections where he's just, just telling the Thanksgiving story so that you can hear it from start to finish. But it is really fascinating the way he tells it and uh, talks about Jamestown and Plymouth. And so he, this is, uh, this is Tim Barton and this Timothy Barton from Wall builders. Here you go. Here we go. When you go back to like Jamestown, go back to the pilgrims. They actually tried the experiment of socialism, both colonies, Hmm. and both of them had incredible failures with socialism. And if anybody in the world could have really made socialism work, it probably would have been the pilgrims because those are the people who came over like with a Puritan work ethic, right? They worked really hard. They were a a Christian community. They brotherly love. They shared together equally. 
And after a couple of years, they realized this system really isn't very good. And they changed that system. This is where learning from history, we would not be putting ourselves in a position to repeat the mistakes that people have already made before. So I, I was told one time by a professor in college, and it stuck with me really well, is there's, there's two ways to learn lessons. Either you can learn the hard way from yeah. your own experience, or you can learn from other people's experience. That's what history does. Yeah. The more we study history, the more we can learn lessons from other people's experience and not have to go through those hard experiences experiences ourselves. Yeah. The system being taught in education right now is the 1619 Project. The 1619 Project, probably everybody knows. 2019, the New York Times came out with a special edition, and, and they were highlighting the history of America. And they said America started, honestly, in 1619, because that's when the first shipload of slaves arrived in Jamestown, et cetera. Now, they, they really oversimplified a lot of things, and they got so many things historically wrong. It was boggling, right? They get a Pulitzer Prize for some of the worst history ever when you had even leftist, like really leftist professors coming out saying, yeah, this is just bad history. Yeah. But it's important that right now we are we're hearing America was fundamentally a flawed and evil nation, and, and we're learning that lesson at the, the, the telling of the story of Jamestown. And so it's worth noting that if you look back Back in American history, it's a little bit like uh, Charles Dickinson's novel, The Tale of Two Cities, that America was not merely founded in Jamestown. There were two major early colonies, Jamestown and Plymouth. Now, just a historical record, Jamestown was not founded in 1619. Jamestown was founded in 1607. Mm -hmm. Jamestown was founded as a Christian colony. They were Anglicans, and Anglicans was the official religion, of the, the, the kind of official version of Christianity under the king, and, and he enforced Anglicanism in his colonies. And so, when the Jamestown colonies formed, uh, formed and founded, it is founded as an Anglican colony, and they actually have some, some really positive Christian language in their founding document. The challenge was the people of Jamestown, they weren't people who read the Bible. They were people who more or less did what they were told to do by their political leaders, by their religious leaders. And so there's a lot of behavior they got into that was very ungodly and very unbiblical. But the history of Jamestown, there's a lot of fascinating stories and there's a lot of really bad things from Jamestown as well. The story of Jamestown kind of unfolds when John Smith, Captain John Smith is exploring in the woods. He has 20 men and they're ambushed by a group of native warriors and the natives kill all of these men except John Smith. He's the only survivor and they then take him on parade and they take him to several different villages kind of showing the chief, right, so to speak, the chief of the tribe they just conquered. And so John Smith is on display and, and he points out that uh, they took him and they laid his head on a rock. They were about to, to beat his brains out is what he said. And Pocahontas comes over and she runs and puts her head on his head and so she saves his life. And Pocahontas was really kind of infatuated with not only John Smith but kind of the Americans in general. And maybe because they were such a unique people, they were different, whatever it was, she was super impressed with them. And they actually form an alliance, so to speak, with the people of Jamestown. As this unfolds, the people of Jamestown, they've, they've grown up living in a colony where socialism is a norm in the sense that Nobody really owns private property. Under the king, the king owns all the land. And the king would give land to certain lords or nobles. And then the lords and nobles would hire people, the serfs and the peasant. And they would come work for these officials. And at the end of the day of you working, you'd be given some food, you'd be given some money, but you were taken care of for your labor. The reason this is important is people weren't used to working for themselves. They, they weren't used to having to provide for themselves their own food, their own sustenance, right, growing their own crops. And so when they come to America, they really don't know how to survive. 
survive in America. And they're really struggling and, and they're hoping the king is going to send over more food and more supplies on the ships. In the midst of them having a hard time, they actually turned to the natives. And the natives on several occasions brought the people of Jamestown food to keep them alive. Well, 1609, they've now been here for coming up on two years. And John Smith is a governor. And, and John Smith has enforced a rule, a law in Jamestown that said if a man would not work, he would not eat. Because in socialism, people tended toward laziness and they didn't want to be productive. So John Smith takes over and actually gets a whip and goes to people's houses and beats them with a whip to make them get out in the fields to work and labor because he recognized if, if, if we don't work hard, if we're not productive, if we don't grow crops, we're not going to survive. Mm-hmm. Well, there was a protest in Jamestown. There actually was a gunpowder explosion and John Smith was injured in this gunpowder explosion. It was largely believed to have been a, an intentional attack uh, that there was sabotage. They were trying to eliminate him. Well, he had to go back to England to find help for his injuries. And so while he's over in England getting help, they now have new leaders in Jamestown. And and the people of Jamestown said, look, that John Smith guy, he was a jerk. He made his work really hard. We don't like that. So we're just going to take it easy. Well, when winter comes, this was known as a starving time in Jamestown, the winter of 1609 to 1610. They're totally out of food. And by the way, in the midst of them being out of food, they recognize their food's getting low. One of the things they did is they actually started Indian Wars. And what they did is they went to some of the local villages said, hey, guys, we're out of food. We need help. And the natives are like, we we have to feed ourselves, too. Right. Like we can't just continue to give you food over and over. At some point, you got to feed yourself. The people of Jamestown got angry and they declared war on these tribes and they went and attacked these tribes and villages to try to take their food from them so they could feed themselves. Well, the starving time. They don't have any food. And so they say, well, we're just going to have to eat the, the livestock. So they start off eating the cattle. They eat the horses. They run out of food. So then they eat what we would know as pets. They eat the dogs and the cats, hmm. and they run out of food. Now, at this time, there was roughly 490 people of Jamestown, and people are already starving to death. So almost daily, they're having people dying. They're taking them to kind of their cemetery, the graveyard. They're burying them. When they ran out of the dogs and cats, and, and now they're turning to rabbits or squirrels, whatever they can find. At some point, somebody said, hey, you know, those people that died, their bodies are in the cemetery. We can just go dig up those bodies and and eat the meat off those bones because they're already dead. So they literally went and they cannibalized the bodies in the cemetery. When they ran out of those bodies, they actually turned to cannibalism and they actually killed and ate each other at times. There was a horrific account of a husband who had a pregnant wife and he killed his wife and ate his wife and the unborn child from his wife. Now, the reason I bring all this up is... It's interesting when we study history, one of the things that we think the way history should be taught, the way the Bible teaches history, you teach the good, the bad, and the ugly. very different sin is because for far too long, we've just trusted the experts to tell us what was true. Don't take my word for it. Go look it up. In 1619, slavery was illegal in Jamestown. So when that first shipload of slaves arrived, they became indentured servants. And this is a very different scenario. As an indentured servant, you worked for a determined period of years. At the end of those years, you were given your freedom. And in the Jamestown colony, you were given land. So all of those original slaves became free landowners in America. And some people might argue, yeah, but, but they were still slaves for those years they were indentured servants and and, and so maybe like maybe they they were treated as slaves maybe they were treated poorly now i don't think there's really historical evidence for that but just for the sake of argument let's say for those for those seven years for example let's say it was really bad for seven years but also keep in mind those slaves had been on a portuguese slave trading ship that portuguese ship was attacked by two british privateer ships those british privateer ships took the slaves off and that's one of those ships came to jamestown and that's where they unloaded those slaves at jamestown had that Portuguese ship been able to go on, it was heading to either the Caribbean, Cuba, maybe Brazil. 
Had that ship arrived where it was going, what was the average lifespan of the slaves in those other nations? And it was only like one to three years. Had they gone anywhere else, they likely would have died as slaves. They never would have had a chance to get freedom or be a free landowner in America. And the reason I point this out is like even the way we're telling the history of Jamestown, we're lying about Jamestown and part of what happened to try to make Jamestown look bad. And my point is, if you want to make Jamestown look bad, just tell the honest story of Jamestown (laughs) because you will see the sinful moments of Jamestown and go, man, those people were not always really good people. Yeah, that's so true. I'm going to pick that back up after the thing. But, uh, you know, you wondered why they couldn't they couldn't grow anything. They were actually growing foods that were different than obviously in Europe. Over here, the Indians grew corn, squash and beans. Over there, they were they were growing rye, barley and wheat. And so it was different. And they were also working with a different soil that doesn't retain nutrients. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, but that's a really interesting history on Jamestown. But what what he's so good at, Tim Barton from uh, Wall Builders, is doing, you know, this is Jamestown, but this was Plymouth. Now, Plymouth was completely different, and he's going to go on to explain how different Plymouth was and how Plymouth actually is what set the standard for America. It wasn't necessarily Jamestown, but Jamestown gets all the credit. What's the TV show? Jamestown, yeah. right? They don't do Plymouth because a little too much God would be involved there. Right. But in Jamestown, like he said, they weren't the the Christian sect coming over to, to do anything. They were They were of a different kind of a different sort. And so they were doing some different things. And uh, um, and so he goes into why uh, Plymouth was so important and how they landed in Plymouth and how much uh, divine providence was around these um, these circumstances. Sure. And I really like that because I don't, I've, I've seen few people ever sort of separate the two and say, look at the difference between the people that, that landed and their motives and what they were trying to do. Um, and those that landed from uh, Plymouth really were trying to do um, some good uh, with this. And not that the Jamestown people weren't, but they had a lot more problems. <laughs> Obviously, if you resort to cam- cannibalism, you're, you're going to have a lot more yeah. problems with a group like that. We'll be right back. Kate Daly Show. Kate Daly Show. Don't go anywhere. KateDalyRadio.com. nature's fruits and vegetables in a capsule, changing the world one life at a time. The question is, how do you quantify it? How do you measure how good it's doing? And the only thing I can come up with is the word wellness. I just feel like everything is running on all cylinders. So I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm not running a marathon, but physically I feel very, very good. The only thing I can compare it to is a young, healthy kid. He only has a problem when he notices it. Otherwise, he's just living life to the fullest. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. Experience the Balance of Nature difference for yourself. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Call 800-246-8751. That's 800-246-8751 or by going to balanceofnature.com and make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code KATE. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Cape Daly Show. Christmas day, Christmas day. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas day in the morning. And what was it? No ships, all three on 
Welcome back, Kate Daly Show, and uh, we're live today, uh, Uncle Milty and I. So, hoping you have a great uh, Thanksgiving week ahead of you. And uh, make sure and go to my pillow, mypillow.com forward slash Kate or mypillow.com. You can use the code word Kate. Um, Mike Lindell is doing so much uh, to expose voter fraud. Here's a message from him Go out and tell everybody you know that the attorneys general from the states are putting a lawsuit in on November 23rd, two days before Thanksgiving, to sue the United States government over the 2020 election. Now, the uh, attorney generals, uh, the Republican uh party is trying to get the attorney generals to get off of this lawsuit. So make sure and contact your attorney general and tell them that they better be on this lawsuit. Um, This is dropped today. So very interesting to keep our eye on. MyPillow, he's done an amazing job with his company and has had much success, but he's also such an American at heart. He is trying to take his money and put it to uh, these causes to expose election fraud. It also supports the show and the products are amazing. You can get amazing sheets and towels and, and my pillows. So make sure and get over there. You get up to 75% off right now. It is such a steal. It really is. It's so great. Mypillow.com forward slash Kate or mypillow.com uh, code word Kate. Um, all right. So let's keep going on this on this story because he talks now about the difference between Plymouth and Jamestown. And there's a huge, huge difference. Here we go. Because you will see the sinful moments of Jamestown and go, man, those people were not always really good people. Oh, I should also mention, this is Tim Barton from Wall Builders. Here you go. Good people. That's the reality of history. Yeah. You don't have to lie about history to, to make something look bad. If you just tell the honest story, you will find the bad moments because there's good, bad, and ugly in the whole story. But this is where Plymouth was so different. The, the, the people of Plymouth, right, the, the pilgrims, they were actually a church congregation that had been in England, then they went to Holland, and then from Holland, they come back, get ships in England, and they come to America, to the New World. It was largely a church congregation, and they they were striving to live life differently. Governor Bradford, a, a famous name from the Pilgrims, right? William Bradford, yep. uh, the longest lasting governor of the Pilgrims, he actually in his journal talked about how as, as their own people, they would spend hours in the Bible a day, six to eight hours a day trying to study and learn from the Bible. And this is where when, when you look at the Pilgrims, when they arrived, everything they did was different than Jamestown. The Pilgrims, when they arrived, they had actually been trying to get to Jamestown because that's where they had been given permission by the king to go. Their charter was to go to Jamestown, but providentially, be, because when initially they were coming, there were two ships, the Mayflower and the Speedwell. The Speedwell had holes, and they had to kept turning back and trying to fix the ship. And when finally they decided, we're just going to take one ship and go to the New World, it was really late. They, they'd lost several months in their journey. So when they arrive in the New World, they're going to arrive in winter. So that's a hard time to show up anywhere yeah. for your first time. But there was a winter storm, and the winter storm blew blew them north so they couldn't even make it to Jamestown. So now they're going to have to to dock ship an unknown, uncharted area. They, they don't know what's going on. But interestingly enough, they recognize before we get off the ship, we need to have a covenant between ourselves, a covenant with God. And they write the Mayflower Compact. And in this covenant, they actually said that part of the reason they had come, and, and you can read this, it's, it's like in the first paragraph. It says, for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith yeah. is why they had come to the new world. Well, when they get off that ship and, and, and they start trying to survive, they had actually heard from the people of Jamestown how the natives could be really mean because that was the, what the Jamestown people encountered when they had started wars with the people of Jamestown or with the natives. And, and actually, the, the natives, the, the first encounter with John Smith and his men, 
where they had attacked some of his men and they, they actually killed everybody but John Smith. They had heard all these horror stories from the people of Jamestown. And so they had really negative expectations. But the first native they meet is Somerset. And, and, and Somerset speaks some English and, and he tells them, hey, I, I actually have somebody else, a friend who speaks even more English than I do. And Somerset comes back and he introduces them to Chief Massasoit, introduces them to Squanto. And Squanto realizes these guys need a lot of help. And Squanto lives with the pilgrims for the next two years up until Squanto dies. And actually when Squanto died, one of the things he told the pilgrims who were with him, he said, please pray for me that, that I may go to your God and, and I may be with him in his heaven mm. because he had seen the way the pilgrims lived. And he was so impressed by them that he wanted what they had and what they had lived their life experiencing. Well, even when you get to the first Thanksgiving, it's super interesting because the first winter of the pilgrims, half of the pilgrims died the first winter. So you come to the first Thanksgiving and it's worth asking the question, like, what were they thanking God for that first Thanksgiving? Because <laughs> yeah. like half of like, right, your family, your siblings, your parents, half of your people died. What they were thanking God for was that along the way, when they were in their most desperate hour of need, God had brought them provision in the manner of Squanto. Squanto taught them how to fish, how to hunt, how to plant and grow crops. And so that fall, when they're having this Thanksgiving, they actually had crops that they thought we might actually survive and make it this winter. Whereas like last winter, right? They, they were starving to death. They said this winter, we might make it. We should thank God that God has helped bring us provision and God has brought us friends and allies and, and look what we've done. And so that first Thanksgiving, there were 53 remaining pilgrims. There were about 22 males. The rest were women and children. And they were joined. Chief Massasoit brought 90 Indian braves. And for three days, the pilgrims feasted with the Indians and, and and they actually did athletic competitions. They had races and, and they had wrestling competitions. They had shooting competitions. But for three days, they feasted and celebrated. They fellowshiped together. And also what's worth noting is that the Indians brought much of the food they feasted on for those three days. Hmm. So one of the things, it's crazy today that we hear, well, instead of Thanksgiving, there's actually cities who are saying, instead of Thanksgiving, we should have a, a national day of mourning because of how evil the pilgrims were. And this is a crazy thought. And yet, because we don't know history, people are embracing this. Cities, yeah. literally cities are saying, we're rejecting Thanksgiving. We won't do Thanksgiving parades. We're gonna have a day of mourning instead. You only can can come to that conclusion if you don't know any history at all about the pilgrims. Because, right, if the pilgrims had actually mistreated the Indians, that first Thanksgiving would have gone very differently. Right. There were only 22 male pilgrims. There were 90 Indian braves. The Indians at any moment could have killed and defeated, taken all the pilgrims' possessions, taken the land back. But the pilgrims actually had the longest lasting peace treaty between any Western European settlers, any Anglos and any natives in American history. It lasted more than 50 years. And the reason was when the pilgrims arrived, they, they, they knew the king and said, you can go live in this new land. But when they get there, they meet these Indians and, and they tell the natives, hey, we want to build a place. They actually negotiate with the natives for the purchase and possession of the land where they built their colonies. In fact, in the history of the pilgrims, one of the things that they acknowledged is that for the next 50 years, they never built on a single piece of land that they did not legally purchase from the Indians at a price agreed upon by the Indians. Now, this is different than the people of Jamestown, but this is the legacy of Plymouth that today is largely forgotten. And this is where these two colonies are so different. I would argue America was as a whole, as a nation, our nation was much more shaped by the legacy of Plymouth, by, by the heritage of the pilgrims than we were by Jamestown, which also then makes it ironic that we're teaching students in school the history of our nation as if Jamestown was the largest influence on our nation. When Jamestown wasn't the largest influence, Plymouth was a much more significant influence on America than Jamestown was. 
if you back up to when Jamestown is a colony, one of the things that happens early on in Jamestown days, uh, there, there's other explorers who are selling up and down the coast. And actually, this is one of the reasons um, that there were there were often bad relationships between the, the people of Jamestown and the natives. At times, there were certain tribes they got along with, but generally speaking, they didn't always have the most godly behavior. And so, obviously, when you're treating people in an ungodly manner, it doesn't encourage them to be your good friend. Right. So, one of the things that happened is, is there was a, a Captain Thomas Hunt who uh, was on a, a ex exploring expedition and he got off and there were a group of natives and he essentially kidnaps these natives and took them over to England to sell or back to Europe to sell. And, and when they got to Europe to sell, and I think there were 27 of them is, is my recollection. And actually uh, what happened is they were put on the slave trading blocks because there were some, some friars um, who saw them, right? Some, some Christian friars who saw these natives being sold. And so they went and, and some of the natives had already been sold, but they went and bought every single one they could. And they bought the majority of the natives and they brought them back to live with them at their monastery. And on the monastery, they actually taught them how to speak English. They took care of them. They fed them. And that's where Squanto was for several years in 1619. And, and there's a lot of providence to this story because Squanto's tribe was actually uh, the ones that lived the area where the pilgrims uh, their ship landed and where they set up their first colony. So Squanto's tribe, that's actually part of where his tribe used to live. That was part of their land, their possession. So Squanto is over in England and, and, and 1619 finds a ship that's selling back to Jamestown. So he gets back to Jamestown and works his way back up to where his people were. When he gets back, he founds out that a disease had come and spread and, and it killed every single member of his tribe. He was the only one who survived. Now, again, there's a lot of God's providence in this story that God would preserve this one individual and in the midst of a terrible situation, right? Squanto going into slavery. I mean, this is really like kind of the story of Joseph in the Bible, right? Like him going into slavery is not a good moment, but in slavery, God rescues him. God protects him. God gives him favor. And he learns English in 1619. He's on a ship. He's coming back to the, the new world. He lands in the new world, goes home and realizes everyone, his entire family, that his wife, everyone's gone. They, they all died of this disease. They didn't understand disease like we understand disease today. And in fact, nobody back then really understood it the way we do it today, but certainly the natives didn't. And so what they thought was there was an evil spirit on that area. And so the natives said, then, then we're not going to live here. We're going to leave that land alone, which again is providential because the pilgrims land on an area that the natives have determined to be kind of unclean because of this disease. So the natives are like, we don't want this land. So the pilgrims land there. And when they finally encounter the natives and they say, hey, we want this land, the natives are very willing to sell them the land because like, we don't want to live here. There's, you know, something bad here. And the pilgrims are like, yeah, we're good. We, you know, we're not worried about that. But Squanto then is the most providential guy that he goes back that the, the pilgrim ship just happens to land in the area, like just happens, right? This providence just happens, quotation marks. The pilgrim ship lands in the exact area where Squanto's people have been. Squanto comes back, this guy who's been over in England. So nobody in the new world, no native knew the pilgrim's customs better than Squanto. He's the one guy who can help merge the old world and the new world together and help the pilgrims learn how to survive. Mm -hmm. It's an incredible, amazing providential yeah. moment in, in the history of this nation. And it's one of the areas, again, where when, when we look at history from our organization, because we know there is a God, 
When we study history, we are very cognizant of God moments like this, where, man, look what God just did in this moment. Look how God used this person. History becomes much more fascinating when you keep God part of the story. One of the challenges with modern history is, right, for most of us growing up in history, it was really like dates and dead people. Yeah. There, there were no stories involved. The, the such a great point, is it not? Yep. Such a great point. Uh, they don't tell any of those stories. And those stories are what makes it so fascinating and would give somebody a whole different perspective on uh, this new world. So I loved his uh, talking about um, Plymouth because you don't see any TV shows about Plymouth. You're not going to see a whole lot about Plymouth. It's all focused on Jamestown. And, uh, and he says, you know, what a shame that is uh, over and over again because we're missing the whole part of the story that made this country truly made this country. So when we come back, we'll finish up on on his last notes on this. But it's so fascinating to hear the division. I've never heard somebody talk about the division uh, quite like he has. Yeah. That's pretty good. And I think, do you recognize those moments? Like he said, when they all sat down at that first feast, what were they thankful for? Because they just been through the biggest devastation, lost so many people. But then they said, we have to find, we have to give thanks for mm. being here, Right. What I found interesting was that they, uh, you know, we're being taught today that we stole America. Oh, yeah. But they bought it. No, I know. (laughs) I know. And I guess everyone else that battles for land, you know, um, shouldn't have had their land either, right? Because they they make us out to be the guys that that went to battle. Well, we won it through battle. We won it through paying for it. I mean, that's... That's how it's done, is in battle. I, Every single civilization known to man. I and mean, that doesn't make it right, but it doesn't mean we did it today. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's just how it was done. It's yeah. how they took over territories. Be right back, Kate Daly Show. Talk lines are open now. Call 888-673-1450. This is the Kate Daly Show. Kate Daly show and uh, happy you're listening in because we're we're uh, we're playing uh, Tim uh, Barton from Wall Builders his explanation of the first Thanksgiving because it gives you a totally different perspective on Thanksgiving and I absolutely love that he does that um, and so uh, we'll we'll play the rest of this but I also wanted to mention Balance of Nature get over to Balance of Nature and just buy their product because I'm telling you it, you'll feel it you'll feel it and right now we need immunity. We need health more than ever. I do feel like things are coming down the pike and uh, I think this is a great time to shore that up. And I don't know of a better product than that. It's a whole food product. And so um, it just, it's just amazing. 31 fruits and vegetables in every serving. I mean, where else are you going to find that? Uh, and it's such a low cost, too. In fact, you can even save 35% and get free shipping. So a whole third slashed off. Um, and you can order it using my name, Kate. So go to balanceofnature.com and put in the code Kate. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. Um, I don't know anyone that doesn't. I absolutely love this product. I do, too. You do, too? Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, it's good. It is really good. Um, balanceofnature.com. 
So let me play the rest of this because I thought this was uh, so fascinating. And uh, I, I thought he, he told it in a way that uh, I haven't heard before. So I really like this. Um, but this is him telling the rest of the Thanksgiving story. He was just talking about the difference between Plymouth and Jamestown. And boy, was there quite a difference on what the people were like and how they conducted business. Uh, but we did buy the land, didn't we? And, yeah. <laughs> and here's the other deal, too. Tell me a nation um, over in Europe that wasn't won by war, that wasn't consistently warring and taking over the territory that they then had won because of a battle. Yet you do it here, and all of a sudden now you're the big bad guy in the room. Do you remember the last time Europeans were told to go shame themselves for for taking over territory? I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. I do remember Mm -hmm. the last time. Right. Yeah. Never. (laughs) (laughs) See what I mean? And so for for some reason in America, we tell two lies. One, that we raped and pillaged the Indians and they were just walking around innocent. They, by the way, they were doing things for for centuries that would make, you know, the hair stand up on the back of your neck. But, you know, nobody ever talks about that. It, it is kind of amazing how history, for some reason, when it comes to America, can just, they, they just can't tell the right story. They can't tell the truth. Uh, So here's the rest of this. Uh, Listen up. This is uh, Tim Barton. Or Caleb or David or Paul or Elijah or like you pick these heroes from the Bible. Why we're fascinated with their story because it tells us their story, but their story includes the God moments in their story. And, And the story of history is it's an inaccurate story if you if you exclude God, but it's always a much more fascinating story when you recognize the God moments. 100%. And this is certainly one of those things that when you study the history, especially of the pilgrims, it's very easy to see the God moments when God showed up and helped them and providentially moved on their behalf or brought them friends and allies along the way. It's, it's one of these overlooked parts of American history that is really one of the most significant foundations to the nation that America became. Yeah. Look at the legacy of Plymouth, and, and and first of all, there's incredible unity that we should be able to celebrate. That that God was able to bring people together, and and God helped them together to benefit each other in a lot of regards. But it's also worth noting one of the legacies of Plymouth is when you look at even from Plymouth, there were other settlements and colonies that went out. Like Roger Williams went to Rhode Island, uh, Thomas Hooker went to Connecticut. You had different people going to different colonies. But what's interesting is because the people from Plymouth were people of the book, they were people who studied and knew the Word of God. They understood that. The single issue covered the most, arguably, in the Ten Commandments is the issue of private property, because you're not supposed to steal. Don't even covet what somebody else's. Everybody who left Plymouth and went and started their own colonies, they actually purchased those that land where they built their colony from the local tribes where they were. In fact, it gets fascinating when you get to a guy like William Penn. William Penn's father was the Admiral William Penn, who had won many victories for the king over in England, and the king kind of owed him a commission for these victories. And the king said, hey, what if I just kind of give you this new land and I'll name it in your honor. We'll call it Pennsylvania. Well, William Penn was a, the, the son was a Quaker. And so there was a lot of uh, frustration between him and the king. He was in prison many times because back then you were only allowed to attend the Anglican church. When William Penn is a Quaker, they kept having Quaker meetings and that was illegal. So he was thrown in prison. So his father finally kind of negotiates with the king and says, Hey, how about we do everybody a favor? You let my son out of jail. We'll send him over to my property in the new world. That way I'm happy because my son's not in jail. You're happy because he's not here. It's a win-win. And so this is kind of what happens to get William Penn and, and actually many of the Quakers coming to Pennsylvania. What's interesting is when, when William Penn gets to Pennsylvania and, and they begin building their colony, their settlement, they actually, William Penn bought that land from three different tribes. 
Because when they're building it, the first tribe comes up and, and they say, what are you doing? We're building here. Well, this is our land. Oh my gosh, I'm sorry. Can I buy this land from you? Buys it from the first tribe. A second tribe comes and says virtually the same thing. And then a third tribe comes and says virtually the same thing. William Penn bought that land from three different tribes because those three tribes had all been warring tribes <laughs> and they had battled over who actually owned the land. But here's what's significant. It would have been very easy for William Penn to go, guys, the king gave this land to me. This was a gift to my father. All of this land is mine. But that wasn't the position that the people from Plymouth took. Now, that was something people from Jamestown. That was more of the mantra of Jamestown. But this, again, is where we'd point back and say this was a tale of two cities in early America. Yeah. Jamestown and Plymouth had a very different impact, a very different legacy. And again, the legacy of Plymouth was far more impactful to shaping the foundation of this nation than was the legacy of Jamestown. It's just that we don't largely hear about that legacy today, but it's it's definitely there. It's easily discoverable if we just went back and started studying and reading. And again, this is where we would encourage original documents, because when you study original documents, it's a lot easier to get past some of maybe the, the persuasion or the political agenda that maybe current professors might have in their writing. And generally speaking, we're going to have a feast and actually leftovers. They're amazing. I'm a fan. But food, fellowship, and sports, that was all part of the first Thanksgiving. Where we largely get it wrong is the time they took really thinking and acknowledging what God had done in their life. And yeah. also keep in mind, these were people whose lives had been devastated, but they recognized the only reason they were still here at all was because of what God had done. They were able to look and see the good that God had done for them along the way in spite of their hardship. And this is something that I think as Americans, you know, so often we, we don't recognize the blessings of God as much as we should, where we know the story where Jesus healed the 10 lepers and, and it says, all right, go present yourself before the priest. And only one comes back and he says, didn't I heal 10 of you? Yeah. Where are the other nine? We're not always very good as, as Christians in general, but certainly not in America at remembering to thank God for what God has done. And so one of the traditions we do in our family, and, and we have extended family, we get together, so all the aunts and uncles and cousins, and we get together and, and, and we'll have a, a big meal together. Before we eat the meal, we take time, we go around the entire room and everybody says, what are you thankful to God for what he did for you this year. And we, we, we named some things that we recognize that God did for us. And I think where we've lost some perspective, what the pilgrims used to do, the day of Thanksgiving was really a day of Thanksgiving. And only after they had taken time to give thanks and acknowledge God and be grateful to God, then they spent time in the food and the fellowship and the sports. And I think the thing that probably we need to recapture the most is remembering that the, the first Thanksgiving wasn't thanking God for abundance. They didn't have abundance. Yeah. Now, certainly if you have abundance, you should thank God for abundance. That's awesome. But they, they had enough. They said, I don't think we're going to starve this winter. That's a crazy thought that they weren't thanking God that their cup was running over. They were thanking God they had something in their cup yeah. because they had a chance to make it. And they knew without God, they wouldn't even had something in their cup. And had God not brought friends and allies along the way, it's, it's a different perspective that I think as Americans, sometimes we get very spoiled and we get very used to being very spoiled with the blessings and abundance we have in America. And I know that's not everybody. There's probably people listening right now who are thinking, man, that's not, that's not my life. I'm not living in abundance right now. We can still find things to thank God for, even if our cup is not running over, so to speak. We can still recognize that God has been moving in our life. God has been working on our behalf. God has not abandoned or forsaken us. There's a lot of promises of scripture we can still cling to. And I think we ought to do a better job at being grateful and thankful to God for who he is, for what he's done for us over this past year. There you go. 
Tim Amen. Barton. Yeah, Tim Barton, uh, Wall Builders. Uh, terrific, uh, terrific ending there, too. Yeah. To talk about the thing that, look, it is kind of interesting that we do this whole, we want mourning on Thanksgiving Day. After what happened, we united two nations together peaceably. <laughs> And they cannot recognize that no. for the life of them. Um, but uh, but they want to make it that a day of mourning, right? And then also uh, the fact that he mentioned uh, how thankful are we. And it's having something in the cup. Sometimes we just think that it always has to be that our we have all this abundance. And that's what you're supposed to be grateful for. No, you're supposed to be grateful for your trials even. Aren't you? Yeah, absolutely. But the worst thing is, is that we've turned our back on God. Mm-hmm. You know, I, how do you not give thanks? Right. I, right. I, I don't well, understand that. There was an that. article in a, in a local, in a statewide paper, and it said, you know, is, is Thanksgiving a religious holiday? And, and their answer in the headline was no, but you can make it one. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I don't know anything more religious than, than a holiday about thanking him. I don't, why can't, why don't people see that? It's just not about the turkey. I, it's always amazed me. You know, even even good people fail mm-hmm. at this, though, because the first thing when somebody's facing adversity, the first mm-hmm. thing they think of is God help me. Right, right, right. But they, right. but when it works out in their favor, the, the first thing they think of is not thank God. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. It's all the blame. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Hi, caller. Welcome to the show. Go right ahead. Yes, good afternoon. Uh, Tim is selling uh, St. George, uh, St. George, excuse me, Jamestown short. I uh, spent two uh, visits to Jamestown. I spent a whole day studying the history there, and uh, I'm not surprised that he did that. His father is a loyal opposition. He worked for the same people Biden did that started Wall wall Dillers, uh, Dave uh, Barton. But, uh, you know, I'll just say this thing first before, so I can follow up. I've got to hurry, but Uh, go ahead. Yeah, he smeared uh, Ron Paul terribly all across the country, get on the talk radio shows. I heard him for one hour saying, not two or three hours, uh, uh, lies, 20 Mm -hmm. lies about uh, Ron Paul when he was really winning uh, debates after debates Mm -hmm. in uh, uh, 20, uh, excuse me, in uh, in 2008. But back to uh, his father. Uh Uh, Regarding uh, Jamestown, uh, they were the first ones that created ca- uh, capitalism. It was sure they uh, there was much uh, vast majority of what he said mm-hmm. was true. There was a little cannibalism, uh, but mm-hmm. it was not, uh, very little. But in 2014, they're the first ones that created private property rights. It wasn't mm-hmm. up in Plymouth, and mm-hmm. and that influence affected the rest of uh, uh, the uh, America. And their legacy is just as strong or stronger than uh, Plymouth Rock. You should uh, Jamestown. Or Virginia was one of the biggest, most popular mm-hmm. uh, uh, colonies at mm-hmm. the time of founding the country. By far, the two biggest were Massachusetts and uh, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And you should see how they, it all started in Jamestown. So th- they were the first ones to practice capitalism. It wasn't Plymouth Rock. Oh, well, I didn't. I don't know that he said that. Thank you. Um, I think he said that they were more a godly people. They were, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, there was a couple more things I wanted to add to what he said, but uh, there, there's. There's a there's there's two different cities, okay, doing two different things, kind of with a different mindset, and that's what he was talking about. It was a different mindset. This group of people in Jamestown resorted to things that the people in Plymouth didn't. He was trying to point that out. So, I think that was fair to point out. He's not saying everything they did was wrong. He said no. it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. So you tell the whole story, right? That's so, exactly what. That's he what said. he kept saying. 
And it's and it's true that you mm-hmm. need to tell the good, the bad, yeah. and the ugly. Mm-hmm. If you don't, then then you don't have the whole story. You can't make a proper right. judgment about right. what you're hearing. Right. And you know, our kids are kind of taught to lump it all together into yeah. one. Do you know what I mean? And uh, when they're when they're doing their little Thanksgiving skit and everything else, it's kind of lumping it all in. And so our kids aren't really taught about. Uh, some of the differences too. Our children are being taught to work backwards. Mm-hmm. Here's where we are today. So this is why it happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And right. then they change history. Right. right. To get to where they want to be. Which is so unfortunate. So backwards. Yeah. You got to start historically and work forward. Right. So um, I, I'm glad uh, at least of the telling of that story, because I think that that is completely lost in our history books. You're not going to read any of that in our history books, nor are you going to read those, um, those, those moments of providence, those great moments where you know that, uh, he stepped in to help because there's no way those things could have come out the way they did squanto and everything else. I mean, there's just no way all of that could have worked, um, unless there was a hand behind that. One of the important truths that he talked about Mm -hmm. still exists today. Mm -hmm. If you give people too much, Mm -hmm. they become lazy, shiftless people who depend on you to support them. That's true. It happens and it even with our kids. it still happens today. It <laughs> happens with our children. What are you talking about? We get, we, get, we get something in front of us that teaches us that lesson all the time. Uh, but yeah, you're right. So um, I, uh, I appreciated him uh, telling that. And, uh, and hopefully these are, these are the kinds of things, if you get into some sort of discussion with family members about this, Uh, you'll know a little bit more about what happened. There you go. We'll be right back. We'll take your calls, and uh, you can actually weigh in on this, too, in the next hour. You're more than welcome. We'll be right back. Kate Daly Show. Hi, everybody. Go to the bottom of my homepage. You're going to see an ad for Z-Stack, Dr. Zelenko's new vitamin supplement that combines zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. All of those things that we talk about on the show, he has combined them into one supplement. Dr. Zelenko is a board-certified physician in New York. He was the one that gave ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine to Trump and told him about that, and he was the guy that started the frontline doctors. Dr. Zelenko formulated the Support Your Immune Function supplement. Zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D. Take this every day. This is a great combination of a supplement that you can take of all the things we talk about on the show. This is an amazing product to keep you well and make sure that you go get this. This is also manufactured in the USA. Head and order this. Go to the bottom of my homepage at katedallyradio.com. Hi, this is Kate, and I just wanted to let you know about a new product that I fell in love with, and I want you to have it too, and you can get a special deal on it right now. It's a wonderful sanitizer that really cleans, hospital grade, they use electricity to do it, and it's really natural, and it's not sticky, it doesn't have alcohol in it, it's just an amazing new product, and it's concentrated, so you actually get tons of bottles of it for a really low price and it stores well for prepping. So I would highly recommend this and get it while you can. Um, Instead of $250, you can grab it for 44 bucks. This is at the bottom of my homepage. You can find the the little ad on the the bottom of my homepage, katedallyradio.com. Click on it. You'll love this product. We need a new kind of clean. To do that, Clean Start combines two of nature's most powerful forces, water and electricity, to produce electrolyzed water, or HOCL. 
HOCL is your body's first internal response after an infection or trauma. In fact, it's significantly more effective at killing bacteria, viruses, mold, and mildew than bleach or other household cleaners. Clean Start's globally patented tablet-based hand sanitizer turns any quart of tap water into FDA-approved alcohol-free hand sanitizer and registered wound care solution to a new kind of clean. Clean Start. 